We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is Tyrese Halliburton, and you're listening to Setting the Pace. back everybody to another episode here of setting the pace and if you've been listening to the show faithfully you know that you are a pace setter and we want to thank you so much for jumping on board and listening to another episode here i'm joined by the one and only michael the js for jairus Fachi, Fachi, what's going on brother that is true uh, just so much to cover since free agency has started which is kind of rare because i remember in the past you know you, you, you signed tory craig you inked tj mcconnell to Extension, and all of a sudden you're done for the offseason that was not the case this offseason and i'm still ready to run through a brick wall over the excitement of this team yeah so now we're going to go back to the very first move that took place on friday july 1st or june 30th excuse me june 30th chris duarte by sham sharania is reportedly sent to the sacramento kings for draft compensation after that crickets we've heard nothing else since then but it is believed that Chris Duarte is on his way to Sacramento. But for some reason, this deal is being held up. Maybe we'll find out by July 6th what happened with this deal. We're not really sure, but we want to talk about Chris Duarte getting shipped to Sacramento. And then we also, at the very end, we wanted to touch on O'Shea Brissett inking a deal with the Boston Celtics. But, you know, Fachi, let's talk about this because Chris Duarte spends two years with the Pacers before he's reportedly dealt. Was this a bad pick by the Indiana Pacers? Hard to say it was a good pick because, uh, look, year one, it was fantastic. 13.1 points per game that he averaged. That was the most that you or I had seen in our lifetime yeah. from an Indiana Pacer rookie. The 27 points on opening night for Charlotte, that had me thinking, I think I need to buy a Duarte jersey. Yeah. I mean, it was like, like really thinking that this guy could be a stud. But injuries, they factored in. I mean, they have to factor in the toe injury, the shoulder, the ankle injury, all of it sidelined Duarte and had him being kind of like a stop and go amongst his two seasons 
as a Pacer, but when you really boil it down, the Pacers elected to draft a more of a win-now player that was about 24 years old come draft time instead of some younger players, one of which, you know, might be a Moses Moody. So it, it just feels like that's kind of unheard of to do in the lottery, especially upperclassmen are uh, not treated too kindly in the draft. So I just feel like things changed. Uh, a youth movement making trades for Halliburton, Buddy, bringing in Matherin, Emhard, uh, drafting Ben Shepard, all of it kind of signified that, you know what, Duarte, yeah, it, it's hard to ever achieve your, your full potential. I will say this. I never loved the idea of Chris Duarte at you never pick did. 13. Wasn't high and either. honestly, like when we had seen Duarte mocked all over the place, he was in the twenties, like originally early, yeah. early twenties mm-hmm. or mid twenties. Like this was a guy that was not getting drafted high anywhere. And I only think the reason why he got drafted so high is because Intel came out that golden state liked him at 14. And I feel like they could have made that decision at 14 because they already had pick seven as well, golden state. So they could still take their swing on a young guy early on and get a veteran that could veteran rookie. I should say that can, play right away at 24 years old but at 13 the Pacers they had a weird roster already constructed TJ Warren was still out with the injury uh Malcolm Brogdon injured every other game Karis Levert has a random injury to uh start the year that year I mean it was just chaotic and so at the time I was thinking okay this guy can shoot and defend like he's a good player but at pick 13 it just felt like a bit of a reach in my personal opinion when you had a 19-year-old Moses Moody there that is like a seven-foot-three wingspan, you know, really solid player that had a, a, a workout for the Pacers. I think he worked out at the same time as one of the bigs, but I can't remember which one it was at this point. But he had a workout where it was just a two-person workout, which is, you know, good one-on-one time for a player to get, even if it's not a one-on-one individual workout. So I just felt like at the time, like, okay, we heard the rumblings that Chris Duarte was the guy. And I always thought, this guy is not going to be a starter. This guy is going to be a bench player. Like, why are we drafting a bench role player at pick 13? We haven't been in the lottery since Miles Turner. Like, it made no sense to me to go this route. And then, like you said, Duarte lights it up on night one, makes the all-rookie second team, and you start to feel pretty good about it. Last year, all offseason, we debated, should he start? Should Matherin start? Should Buddy Hield start? And we were both in agreement that Buddy's got to come off the bench, start Duarte and Matherin, this is your future. And then Duarte just falls completely out of the rotation after he got hurt, never could find his way back. And so, yeah, I would say at the end of the day, it wasn't a terrible pick, but it wasn't a good one, like you said. So I'm not going to say it was a bad pick, but they had a lot of different options there. And if you were a Trey Murphy the third fan, he was taken at 17. In hindsight, yeah, they missed on at least Moses Moody and Trey Murphy the third. I'm not really concerned about Corey Kispert or Alper and Shingun, who they also passed up on, but you can say the four players that went directly behind them have already carved out better careers for the team that they got drafted to than Chris Duarte. So yeah, um, maybe it was a bad pick, especially if you punted on them after year two. Yeah, you could definitely say this was a bad pick and someone could not strongly argue against it. Mm-hmm. And it's really hard to say it was a good pick and then have a strong argument for it. So I, I think you kind of lean is this was a bad pick. And I think all in all, the Pacers probably regret this one. Some of the players that you mentioned just look like they're going to be far more successful in the NBA. And here's the thing. We looked at Corey Kispert and thought, oh, he's already 21. Uh, 
Like he, he you know, he's kind of old. And Duarte, he takes the cake there. So I, I just feel like there's some certain players like Jarris Walker, who we just drafted, who's 19 years old. I mean, it, it's going to be quite some time until he turns 24. Duarte, by the time he's on his second contract, it, it you know, it, a lot of times in the past. So I think all in all, the Patriots probably regret this one. We saw some good flashes, but we can't say that that was a, a home run pick by any means. Yeah, and they continue to add players at that same position, and I think it just kind of got too much of a logjam, and I still think there's too much of a logjam right now there currently is. with this roster. But um, let's talk about this because I want to look on the flip side. Did the Pacers give up too early on Chris Duarte Baji? I think this is the best question because you could very much say they did give up too early on him. However, here's the thing. October 31st, team option is due for $5.9 million. When you're trying to keep the books clean, that $5.9 million is actually pretty important. And there really wasn't a way to get him that playing time to what? Get his value back up to then just trade him for a little bit more. The yeah. lack of roster spots and a log jam at the two and three spots just felt like this is the time to trade him. You can't have the second most cap space in free agency and have one roster spot available. The Pacers needed to make a move. Duarte was the guy that could easily be moved compared to a Daniel Tice who doesn't have that much value but is making about double the money. Yeah, I mean, I definitely think they gave up too early on him. Yeah, uh, to too. trade a guy that you took 13th overall and trade him after year two and year two where he suffered a lot of injuries, I, I think honestly that maybe the injuries that he suffered are part of the reason they moved on because they didn't want to have a guy yeah. that was injury prone on the roster, especially though it was 24 uh, when they drafted him. It was going to be 26 to start the year. Just like, okay, you know what? This is not a good fit. We decided to break up the roster. We drafted you too, and you probably fit that team a little bit better than we had thought. So moving forward, yeah, it wasn't the right idea. I, honestly, like your points are valid, and especially the one about needing the roster spots to go out and make the moves they made to get Bruce Brown Jr. and to get Obi Toppin because you'd much rather have those two players on your team than Chris Duarte. But at the same point, would you rather have Jalen Smith, Daniel Tice, or Chris Duarte on your team asset-wise moving forward. I would say Chris Duarte is probably the most attractive of those three in a trade right now, even though Duarte's value was not that high, seeing that he had really kind of lost his spot in the rotation, but it wasn't like Daniel Tice or Jalen Smith were in the rotation either. So for me personally, I could have seen a situation where they tried to maybe move a Tice instead of a, of a Duarte to a team that maybe needs some veteran help, but much cheaper contract, like you said, and the fact that they would have had to pick that option up clearly say that they didn't want to pay him. So they didn't want to pay him. They didn't want to have him on the team moving forward. They could have not picked up the option and let him become a restricted free agent or an unrestricted free agent, whatever that would have been uh, in free agency. But at the end of the day, just too much of a log gym there. So I don't think uh, they, did, they didn't do that. So let's go ahead and move on. What do you think Duarte can bring to Sacramento? You know, I think what he can bring there is three-point shooting. We definitely saw more from a three-point standpoint you know, his rookie year. He looked much better, about 37% from three. Last year was just a struggle overall. Uh, I think that defensively, you know, Sacramento needs some help defensively. I do think that Duarte can still bring that. And I think he's going to have a bigger role over there. He's not yes. going to be a starter. But I do think that he can be like a seventh or eighth man. 
for, for the Kings because obviously he's still going to be behind like a Harrison Barnes or Malik Monk or Kevin Herter. So I, I do think that there's a role for him that is coming off the bench, but it's a more solidified role compared to an Indiana where there was just such a logjam that I don't know what number in the rotation he could have been, but it didn't feel like an every night guy. Yeah, and I think, you know, we saw Terrence Davis, a guy that was traded from Toronto to Sacramento, um, had a really nice couple of games in the playoffs. And I think he's a free agent, so basically by bringing in Chris Duarte, they've kicked the can down the road with Terrence Davis and said, okay, we're going to go this route with Duarte instead. And if you remember correctly, the the most successful times Duarte had with the Pacers was when they had DeMontis Sabonis. So pairing DeMontis Sabonis back with Chris Duarte – potentially to run some second unit action could be really nice because we saw how well that worked out together. And I remember Duarte, you know, Spanish is his first language. And so Sabonis being, you know, multilingual that he is, he was able to communicate and speak in Spanish with Chris Duarte to help him better understand things. So I I think this is a great pairing for those two. Um, Goes back out to the West Coast where he's played basketball before. I think that it's a great culture to go to as well. And clearly, you know, they drafted Kobe Jones from Xavier. Maybe that's another guy that he's competing for minutes-wise. Like, he's going to have to earn his minutes. But we know that Mike Brown was a part of that Warriors organization that really liked Chris Duarte. So maybe he sees the, the the you know, the future in him where they were calling him Dominican Clay Thompson. So, you know, I was excited about Duarte coming into year two, thinking after year one, like, this guy could be really good. But then he kind of just grew on you in terms of, like, Okay, I'm not. I'm. You kind of soured on you more than he grew on you. Where you're just like, oh, okay, I'm not in love with this guy or his game and his injury history has not been great. But good flyer for Sacramento to get a 13th overall pick for just two second rounders. We can't sit here and praise the Pacers for getting Obi Toppin for two second rounders and not praise Sacramento for getting him for two second rounders. So, you know, I'm I'm curious what those are because I do think that Sacramento had a second round pick from the Pacers. Maybe they picked it this year. I'm not sure, but. It was this year. Uh, was I this believe year. it was like a okay. 38th overall pick. Gotcha. So I don't know what future second round picks they have, but that could be enticing. And the Pacers ended up keeping those and didn't trade them for Obi Toppin. We'll find out all the details of that within the next couple of weeks for sure. But love this move for Sacramento. And I thought for the Pacers to get back two second round picks, maybe a bit of an undersell. But at the end of the day, it was uh, to clear a roster spot. You pick up two more extra seconds, which you already picked up two seconds. Which, is it two seconds? Do we even know what the draft considerations no, are? No, we, we do not I don't know, know why I'm thinking it's two seconds. I know. I've heard you say two seconds. We don't know 100% what it Sorry. is. That's kind <laughs> of what the rumors are out there. But here's the thing that worries me a little bit. Because this deal feels like it might have hit a snag, the Kings are in control. I mean, what are the Pacers going to do? If, if, if They're going to have to get this deal done. So yeah, in the yeah. end, maybe it is just one second-round pick. But I think at this point, the Pacers are moving on. They brought in Obi Toppin. They brought in Bruce Brown. That's the 15 guaranteed contracts. So they, if if this deal falls through, they would A, need to move Duarte elsewhere, or B, try and find another trade. So in the end, the Pacers are they're going to get what they get, and it feels like two second-round picks is the most likely outcome. Yeah, I'm sorry. I don't know why my brain, I think because we traded for two or traded two for Obi, I'm thinking that two for Duarte is what happened because I kept connecting those two trades. So I apologize. Yep. I was going on a rant there <laughs> talking about, you know, what you're getting back. But even if you get one second round pick, you probably sold too low on him at the end of the day. If I, I yes. think they did sell too low on a 13th overall pick, but they also got a lottery pick from the previous year for two seconds. So it does kind of balance out there, I think. So if you're able to acquire Obi, basically how you can look at it is you traded Chris Duarte to Sacramento to get Obi Toppin from the Knicks. And if you, look at like. it, if you look at it from that perspective, then it's a great trade. But if you look at it for just strictly for what it is, 
then probably, yes, you did sell too low on him. So favorite memory of Duarte before we transition quickly to O'Shea Brissett. I mean, hands down, the favorite memory has got to be the first memory. Opening night, 27 points versus Charlotte. Everybody forgets we didn't even win that game, but the 27 points was it was magical. It looked yeah. like, oh, my God, this is our guy. Like A Pacers franchise record for a rookie on opening night. Like, whew. But also, he had some big shots for his Golden State. And then he also totally got robbed of a game-winning four-point play against LeBron and the Lakers yeah. when they did, didn't call the foul. That would have been a big moment for Duarte that I think would have uh, resonated more at fans. That 1-3 hit against Miami in like the very first part of the yeah. season. That super deep three, and he was going off, and he was talking smack. Like I was, I was like, man, this guy is really good. Okay, like maybe the Pacers did see something in him that we didn't see, and then like I don't know. It just like all went to crap after the the Sabonis and the trade with uh, Lavert and Brogdon. Like once everything kind of shifted in terms of who they were as a team, he really just wasn't the same guy. So yeah, I mean, my favorite memory of him is just seeing him play lights out his rookie year. Uh, the first half of the season anyway. Like he just he just felt like a guy that was coming in and ready to compete right away. And he did that. And he was giving it all he had on the defensive side of things and was really putting the ball in the hoop. Like just you felt like every time he shot a three, it was going in. And we can't not we can't forget, even when the he was struggling, the dude never missed an end of you know shot end of uh clock buzzer beater at the end of the quarter or something like that. I'm trying to work. Oh my right god. Yeah. yeah. No, we gotta throw that in there. He yeah. was like Every no buzzer beater at the end of a him. quarter. No, I mean, this guy probably had like a 90% rate on buzzer beater threes at the end of a quarter. Like, guy just lights out in that situation. So, hey, if you if you want a guy to hit a buzzer beater for you at the end of the quarter, give it to Chris Duarte. The guy is fearless in that regard. But, uh, yeah, you know, I'm, I was sad they didn't take Moody. I'll never forget that. I'll never forgive the Pacers for doing that. I think it was a huge mistake. But I will say this. I enjoy the Chris Duarte era of the Pacers for what it was, especially his rookie season. Like last year, you kind of forgot about him. and kind of forgot he was on the roster. But I'm going to enjoy having the memories of the first year of Chris Duarte and what he could have become. But, yeah, I'll uh, I'll never forgive the Pacers for never letting me see Moses Mooney put on the true blue and gold and not the blue and yellow. No, it's true. And I've, I've talked about it countless times, but Duarte gave me that 30-point career-high performance in Brooklyn. I was there. I saw that man on fire. I, I, we so all let me ask you this. I didn't game. tweet it. I didn't tweet Wait, it. Let me ask yeah. you this. We never really saw Duarte have a great moment after that. Never did. No, oh, my God. Are you going to put that on me? Is this You're the Pachi curse? You, you putting that on me? Oh, I don't need that. I didn't me. tweet it. I, I didn't I tweet got, it. I got enough on me that I don't need to be, you know, the the – what took down Duarte in, in Indiana? Because I mean, what's the, the Pachi curse? He was on fire, and the very next game, he sprained his ankle like like one or two minutes into the game, and he was never the same after that. So that one hurt, and I wasn't uh, ready for that one just now. I will say the only thing that's good about the Duarte stuff is I don't have to see all the terrible nicknames on social media for him uh, that I'm just like, oh, okay, these are bad. Uh we're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, 
So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Um, but anyway, let's close this thing out talking quickly about O'Shea Brissett. Um, he signs with the Celtics. One year deal for about two, two point four, two point one million, something like that. The two year deal. The second year was it is two a years? player option. Yeah. Oh, so it's, okay. It's two years, four point six million dollars total. Why, why did I? I must have saw a wrong report. Then I thought someone said one for two point something, but uh, probably looked at the wrong thing. But man, O'Shea Brissett goes to the Celtics. I think he's a good locker room guy. Didn't think he had a place on this team for the Pacers, Fachi. So. I thought it was the right move to move off of him because once again, you move off of him, you don't bring back that 15th roster spot. And I'd rather have Bruce Brown and Obi Toppin than O'Shea said, No offense. No doubt about it. The Pacers made the right move. It was evident all of last season, maybe even the last two seasons when like it came down to like, remember when it came out of the wire, if they were even going to pick up like his $1.8 million player option last year, at one yeah. point it was like, what's like, why wouldn't you? And then it just felt like two seasons ago, kind of started the, the season, like in the doghouse, not playing. And it was like, I just don't understand. But, you know, in, in the end, the Pacers made the right move. I just feel like they didn't have that opportunity for him. And at one point, he benefited from being that six foot seven guy on a team where the Pacers didn't really have that much size. So they had every opportunity to sign him to a cheap extension. They didn't. And the Pacers ended up just getting deeper at his position. So mm-hmm. it, it made a lot of sense to be able to move on. And I really do wish him the best in uh, in Boston because let's remember. Guys, this was an original 10-day contract Yeah, that O'Shea managed to stretch for a couple of seasons. That was awesome really see him get that shot and make the most of it. I mean, at, the, at one point, he played small ball five for the Pacers after all the COVID I love that. Mm-hmm. And, and the injuries that we had. So, yeah. Um, let me ask you this. What do you think O'Shea is going to bring to the Celtics? Because if I look at it, I don't necessarily see a great role for him carved out right now. Yeah, Probably an end-of-bench guy that's a good locker room presence and – if you have injuries or you need him to play in a pinch, like, yeah, he's good enough to provide you some minutes because I don't think he ever felt like when O'Shea played, like, oh, this is a kill on the Pacers right now. Like, it wasn't like, oh, yeah, like, yeah, this is the greatest player ever. No, it was clearly just, okay, this guy can give you some spot minutes here and there, but you're not going to be allowing him to do that all the time. So I think it's a good opportunity for him, but I do worry about him getting a little bit buried on the Celtics bench because they are pretty deep. So do I. Look, they're deep. They're going for a championship. Like that's that's what their aspirations are. He's he's a depth guy. That's what he is. Uh six foot seven. I think that he can play above his size at times. I think he's a better rebounder than what he gets credit for. That three point shot is it's pretty streaky. Uh, I remember a couple of years ago shot, you know, I think it was like forty two percent or over forty percent, and then it kind of 
fell off a cliff the following year. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, look, in, in limited size, we, we talked about that small ball five. I remember it was 23 points, 12 rebounds against OKC when Sabonis was out. Like, that was magical. We never really saw him step into that type of role again. But, but hey, behind Tatum, if Grant Williams walks, it, it's a, it's another guy. But if Grant Williams resigns over there, it, it's just going to be even tougher for O'Shea to get minutes. So if if injuries happen or anything, he's, he plays in a pinch. He's not going to mess anything up for Boston mm-hmm. by any means. But who knows if he ends up picking up that, that second year option because, you know, the player option, because he might not play that much next season. I think there's a good chance that he will, because I don't really know how he's going to crack a lot of rotations with how yeah. deep the NBA is. So until we see expansion come, I feel like he's always going to be a guy that's on the fringe of, you know, being on a on a roster. He's always going to be like a 14th, 15th man. If that, I mean, this could be his last contract that he gets just with adding more rookies into the next couple of years. So, yeah, that's exciting for him <laughs> to get paid. But let me get your final thoughts on O'Shea and share your grade for him signing with Celtics. And then I also want to get your grade on the Pacers trading away Chris Duarte. Thoughts on O'Shea or just, you know, look, the guy went undrafted. He stretched a 10-day contract to end up playing a couple of seasons in the NBA and then, you know, got this two-year contract with the Celtics, that's a success. That, that's a real big win for for a guy that was already, you know, the odds were stacked against him. In a very dark season under Nate Bjorkren, he was that bright spot at the end. Mm-hmm. You know, it was just a lot of fun. And he had a couple of big games. I mean, end of that season, scoring like 31 points against Toronto, I remember. Um, so, you know, he, he played uh, far better than anyone could have expected. But overall, great on the signing. It's hard to, to give it much. For the Celtics, they're probably just like, hey, cool, you know, yeah. whatever for him. Look, you, you got a two-year deal. That's awesome. So I don't know what I would give that letter grade. It's not going to be anything high. A C, give it a C, C plus. I think that. It's just it average. Was, it's a very average it move. It's an end-of-bench move. It doesn't really mean much. It's a C. It's like, okay, he got his money a little bit, not a lot of money, but they got an end-of-bench guy that they can throw in a trade if they need to. <laughs> Yeah, and and for the trade, you know, obviously the, that's the the Chris Duarte trade that we're talking about. I mean, do we do we give that a C plus? They, they they you know that's probably what it is C plus B minus probably C plus because here's the thing you needed to clear roster spot. Yeah, this this move does not on paper make the Pacers better. Like, hey, look, they benefit from this. What they what happened was they got a roster spot where they could add Obi Toppin. That yeah. made the Pacers better at a position of need. There was such a logjam where Duarte played. He wasn't really going to be able to help us this year. So I would just say, hey, uh, C plus, maybe a B minus, just because we opened up a roster spot. Yeah, open up a roster spot definitely pushes it to a C from a D. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Basically moving a guy that was 13th overall for a draft compensation. I think if it was like legitimate good draft compensation, we would have heard that by now. Yes. If it was like a top 20 protected first or something like that, like, that Great. would be loved awesome. It. That'd be like a B plus, A minus mm-hmm. type of trade. But because we have yet to know the full details of this trade, it's really hard to finally give it a grade. So that is a little bit unfair of us to ask what the grade should be for a trade that we don't really know what's going to happen. So from what we know, reporting-wise, even if it's just draft compensation, and it's uh, assuming it's not going to be good draft compensation, yeah, I think C is the perfect grade for this, and I think it's the perfect grade for O'Shea. Uh, signing with the Celtics, I mean, obviously the Pacers, they are not going to miss O'Shea in terms of what he brought to the floor. They might miss his presence in the locker room. They might miss his team chemistry, his relationship with Tyrese and stuff like that. But with that being said, Fachi, overall, 
really exciting summer for the Pacers so far. I think there's still moves to be made. We're just kind of waiting in limbo now on the Dame Lillard trade and the James Harden situation with Philadelphia. But I think we're going to see more moves happen. But with that being said, let the people know where they can find us at on social media. Absolutely. So you can find us on Twitter at setting the pace three. You can find Alex on Twitter at Alex Golden NBA. I can be found on Twitter at underscore F A C C I. You can find us on Instagram at Pacers Talk. You can find us on Facebook at setting the pace. You can find us on TikTok at setting the pace. And Alex, tell them where they can check us out on YouTube. Ladies and gentlemen, go to youtube.com slash setting the pace of Pacers podcast where you can find our latest video of the Obi Top and Trey reaction podcast on there if you haven't if you want to see our reactions that is a fun podcast to check out with that being said if you're excited that the pacers made the roster spot available to bring in obi Toppin, then hit me with those three words let's go pacers setting the pace going to the top setting the pace going to the top this is your number one podcast sweeping every team we gonna need a mop smooth